This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Free Play Florida. Guys, you do not want to miss it. It is one of the greatest conventions going on today. And it's all about retro gaming, which is something here at the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce. We absolutely love and adore. They've got all your retro game favorites from classic consoles to also your favorite classic arcade cabinets. And don't forget that the Happy Happy Hour Hour with Johnny and Deuce is the official podcast. And of course, your boy Deuce is the voice of Free Play Florida. You don't want to miss it. Johnny, when is Free Play Florida? It's going to be November 11th through the 13th, 2016 at the beautiful Double Trier Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Johnny, who all is going to be there? We've got the amazing CEO and spokesperson for Sega, Nathan Barnett, as well as video game historian Walter Day, and creator of some of the biggest titles, Rampage, Xenophobe, Disc of Tron, Satan's Hollow, Star Trek Voyager, and many more, Mr. Brian Colon, pinball designers Gary Stern and Jersey Jack will be there on display with their beautiful pinball machines, player of the century and star of King of Kong, Billy D. Mitchell, and world record holders Richie Knuckles and Todd Rogers will be there on display. And speaking of world record holders, there's going to be multiple world record attempts going on that weekend on a ton of different games. You don't want to miss it. You want to be there at the Doubletree by Hilton in Orlando. November 11th to the 13th. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course, got my main man Deuce. And what we got going on, Deuce? Man, I'll tell you what we've got going on. Coming up right around the corner, Main Street Comics Memorabilia presents the Halloween Comic Fest Block Party. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be in beautiful Bartow, just outside of Lakeland, and just under an hour away from Tampa. It's going to be October 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They're going to have costume contests, prizes and free comics, trick-or-treating for the kids, and also there'll be a special entertainment by DJ Jader. Also, they're going to have special guest artists, our good friend, Michael Carey Art, and JB Designs are going to be there. So you guys don't want to miss it. You want to check it out. It's going to be October 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hang out and have a good time, and don't forget to tell them that the Happy, happy hour, hour with Johnny, Johnny and Deuce sent you. And speaking of happy hours, I think it's time for the good old Deuce salute. Let's do it. I was ready for a cold cheers, beer. man. Cheers. cheers, my brother. Cheers to those drinking at home. Drink responsibly. Um, Deuce, we love to have special guests with us on we the Happy do, Hour. We do, and we have and a Deuce. very special guest. I've been looking forward to this for months. We've got Sean Clark from Horrors Hallowed Ground with us today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with us, brother. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, you like when you go to I go to I went on IMDb and like man you you do it every you do everything you do write you produce I mean you compose you do I mean you uh, direct you do it all like when did you get started really kind of uh, making stuff filmmaking and all that? Ooh, it's um, a good question. Um, well, I mean, I guess the first thing I did was uh, when I first got into the whole location thing. Um, me and a buddy just for the hell of it uh made a video basically i shot footage at filming locations it was mainly halloween one two and three and then uh with the old school vhs uh flying a race head dual you know uh vcrs 
Uh, I edited together like, you know, the scenes from the movies and the footage I shot. And uh, we we basically narrated it kind of like an audio commentary while we were getting drunk. And uh, <laughs> and basically we we're just being idiots. And it was called we called it Halloween, the retrospective. And I used mm-hmm. to sell copies of it um, uh, online. I don't even remember where, but somehow I was selling copies of like 20 bucks for a video. And I, God only knows how many I sold. Not many, but like most horror things back in the, the, the VHS days, everybody duped it and then it made its rounds and all these people kept telling me they had it. And that's kind of where it really started. Uh, that was sort of like the, almost like the band demo tape, if you will, of what became Horrors Hollowed Grounds. Um, but I was never looking to actually do that. I always wanted to make films and get into filmmaking. Um, and the guy I did that with was my old writing partner, a guy named Mike Lester, who's un- he's an author now. He's, he's written several books. We've actually talked about collaborating again recently on some stuff, but, um, but that's kind of how – that's the first thing I did, I guess. Well, number one, brother, I want to tell you, I think you're doing the Lord's work over there with the Horrors Hallowed Grounds because, I mean, these locations, especially like Nightmare on Elm Street, like the original house, things like that, like these things aren't going to be around forever. So having people like go and document it now because some of these landmarks aren't going to be there forever. Yeah, so you guys preservation. Yeah, yeah, which I think is really, really cool. And like I said, brother, you're doing the Lord's work. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just, you know, like they, they keep, uh, um, talking about how California is going to get the big one pretty soon and that all those, all those places could be leveled, you know, including me and my house right here. Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's, it's, it's cool to definitely like to document the stuff. I mean, there's been stuff that since I've done episodes have been torn down, you know, and it, it's, it's a bummer. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, these places mean a lot to us because being, you know, younger horror fans, you know, and growing up in the 80s with all, like, the videotapes and everything and being able to go to the rental store and rent these movies, like, seeing these locations in person for me is super trippy, especially at my age now that I'm 34, like, seeing that these locations are still there. But like I said, I mean, they may not be there forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's you know, it's just, uh, it was just a a hobby I got into kind of by accident, uh, by stumbling on my first location. And then it was just such a cool feeling being there. It made me feel like I was in the movie in a way. And, uh, I just kind of set out to try to find as many as I could. It's unfortunately it's, it's lost its luster a little bit for me because with the age of the internet and everything, everybody knows where everything is. Now there are very few, locations left to find and the the fun of it was the hunt the thrill of the hunt and finding it and being the first guy and like yeah now there's so many people that do it and there's so many people that are documenting the stuff as they're filming these new movies so the info is already out there you know um so it it there are very few (laughs) that i'm looking for and the ones i am looking for are so obscure and probably don't exist anymore and that's probably why nobody's found them because they're gone you know so well let me ask you this question sean like say if you had like a top three list of these are like the three places i want to go that i haven't found yet what would you say those would be 
Oh man, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, it's it's not the greatest, but I just have it's got a soft spot in my heart, I guess, because of when I saw it as a kid was Terror Train, and um, somebody I had dinner with Don Carmody, who was a producer of Terror Train. Um, I had dinner with him when I was a journalist. This is like going back over 10 years ago. I forgot what movie I was doing. I was doing a set visit in Canada for one of his movies. I don't remember which one. Um, but during dinner, I just started talking his ear off about Terror Train, you know, and Porky's and Black Christmas and all these movies he had worked on. But he told me that the train, the actual train from Terror Train was in a museum in a train museum but he couldn't remember where it was but he said i'm telling you it still exists and it you could go visit it but they but he couldn't tell me where and if it if that's true and it's out there somewhere parked in a train museum and i could go walk through that train i would be stoked but i don't know my guess is maybe who knows it could have been like just the front part of the train you know i, I don't yeah. know that that's something i would have loved to found as far as other things, um, like I said, pretty much everything I've wanted to find really badly, I have found. There's a few things I've actually never been to personally, but a lot of them are because everybody's found them and it's kind of lost the excitement for me. But I want to go just for the hell of it. Like, I've, believe it or not, still never been to Martha's Vineyard where they shot Jaws. Obviously, wow. everything knows about it they have a jaws fest there like every year um so that's one i need to get out to uh i did american werewolf in london but i never got out to the two locations they used for the slaughtered lamb like the interior and exterior and moors where they're walking because that's way 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 outside of london um i'd like to hit up those someday well, that's awesome. Well, my next question would be, out of all the locations that you actually have been to, like, what were a handful of your favorites? Like, what were some of the ones, like, where you really just, it really kind of peaked your meter and you're like, this is awesome? Well, hands down, the coolest location I ever visited, which is gone now, was Danvers uh, Insane Asylum, which was from Session 9. Oh, uh, just, sorry. Great that, movie. Great movie. Yeah, that, that building was insane. I mean, that building was insane. Fortunately, I filmed, I don't know if you've seen the Session 9 episode, um, but it just came out from Scream Factory. I did all the all the bonus features on that one. Um, myself and Andrew Cash and Buzz Wallach, uh, we have a our production company called Videowell Films, so we're producing a lot of the bonus features in addition to our shows. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that's my favorite. Other ones that really got me excited... Uh, just a couple months ago, I was in London, and I got to go inside the house from uh, Clockwork Orange where the writer lived, where they raped his wife. Right. And, it, I mean, just the fact – I couldn't believe that the guy let us come in and take pictures and hang out. I mean, he was so He was cool. like, oh, come in and have a drink, you know. Well, a buddy of mine that lives in London got in touch with him and somehow talked him into it uh, and – um he was just so accommodating and it was so cool because it had changed, but I mean, you could recognize everything. Yeah. Um, and another one from clock Orange that really got me excited was, uh, just the tunnel where they beat up the, 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 uh, bum, uh, in the beginning of the film. Yeah. 
that I mean, it looked exactly the same. That was really cool. Um, obviously, the one that really kind of kicked it off for me was the first one I ever found was the Myers house from the original Halloween. That was that's the first location I ever found. Technically, second because I saw the hardware store first. I was coming down the street and I saw that there's that that shot where like when you see uh, them them pull up to uh, the hardware store and she's all my dad, you know that whole bit. Um, there's that point, that kind of point of view shot as as Myers is following them in the station wagon, and you see sort of a a little rock formation thing in the middle of the road. I originally recognized that, looked up, saw the hardware store, and then I looked to my right, and there was the Myers house, which wasn't, you know, it's been moved since the film, so that I was like, holy shit, why is that over there? But it was like I saw all that at the same time, and my head nearly blew off. So that was that was pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, was there was there any other favorites that you can think of off the top of your head that you really enjoyed besides those? Uh, the subway station from American Morph in London was really cool. Yeah, because it, they shot it all in one station. The whole bit where he's standing on the platform and he's hearing it, and he's all like, "You know, I'm gonna, I'll report this to the authorities." You know, <laughs> this is not amusing. That whole bit, and then he chases him through the tunnel. Um, that that tunnel that you're seeing the point of view from the werewolf following him low to his feet, you know, um, that basically they used one tunnel. They just kept going back and forth through the same tunnel. Um, that's right there. And the escalator that he falls on, you know, when he sees the wolf coming up to attack him. So that, that's a really cool location. That's awesome. Let's assume some of our listeners haven't seen Horrors Hollow Ground. What, like a what is a brief description of the of the program, and how can people find it? Well, basically, it's a retrospective. I pick a classic horror film, and I go back and I retrace all the filming locations and show them what they look like today, uh, telling the people where they are. Sometimes bringing cast and crew with me to talk about what it was like to film there. Um, that's pretty much the gist of the show as far as where you can find it as of right now, the episodes are really only available on, uh, Blu-ray and DVD from the various companies I've worked with majority of which are scream factory. Um, I've done a couple for other like synapse. I've done some for dark skies, but those just a couple. Um, and then there was a couple like, uh, that, um, anchor bay, uh, did the very first one, which was uh, uh, when I I did the Halloween 25 Years of Terror documentary. Um, the very first episode of Horrors Hollow Grounds was on that as a bonus feature. Uh, so that was Anchor Bay that put out the first one, really. <clears throat> nope. And we we recently did a thing with Blumhouse.com where they were going to start showing them like uh, for their video content, and we did. They say that today's younger audience won't watch something that's over five or six minutes long. So they wanted to break up my episodes into clips like, you know, um, so we tried just to see what the reaction would be. And they did an Elm street episode, uh, or a clip from the Elm street episode and it did good. It didn't do great. Um, and really they think that's cause honestly, Blumhouse.com's demographic is really young. And they're interested in stuff like paranormal activity and uh, the conjuring. And they're more new school and they're not so into the retro thing. So we're kind of seeing if 
if that's the right fit for us or not. We haven't made any decisions. Um, it's not, I don't really take it as a fail if it doesn't work there because we are a retro product really. Sure. I can do episodes on say the conjuring or paranormal. Um, but I'm not going to change my format just to please them. I mean, I'll do those episodes. They'd be fun. I could do them, but you know, We'll, we'll see what, what happens. If if not, I mean, I've had offers from other sites that want to do the same thing that might be a little more geared towards that audience. But I, I'm a fan of Blumhouse's stuff, and I have a lot of friends that work over there, and I, I'd love to make that work, but I guess only time will tell. Now, do you have, like, a website for yourself, or you mainly just work for the other companies like you just previously mentioned? Well, I mean, I used to I used to post because i i do horrors hollow grounds as a written article as well with photos and that's in Hor horror hound magazine um but it started off the whole genesis of this started as a online article um so originally i was putting those online articles on a my website horrorshallowgrounds.com but um now it's like uh i I kind of, since I put them in the magazine, I've kind of stopped doing them online. And so horizontalgrounds.com still exists, but it just gets redirected to the horizontal grounds Facebook page where I do update, update stuff. And, you know, but it's, there's no real website at this point. Yeah. Because I, I went today during research and I went to the website and it said like under construction, and it kind of shot me back over to the Facebook page while I was doing, you know, research for the past couple of weeks. But, um, it's been under construction for about a decade. <laughs> okay, well then I don't feel bad about it. But let me—I wanted to ask you one question though: Is Scream Factory like a subsidiary of Shout Factory? Yeah. Okay, because I—I I love Shout Factory. Shout Factory is, is kind of my my bread and butter when it comes to Blu-rays because they take all the movies I like as kids, like Transformers, and they make Blu-ray releases. Like they just did, yeah, they just did uh, Roadhouse, which is like one of my all-time favorites being a country boy like myself like i love that movie and they did like the garbage pale kids movie they put out like it's it's like the classic movies that that you grew up with that they put out because i i kind of came to horror late in the game because i was a scaredy cat kid i'll be the first one to tell you as a little kid i was scared to death but on the weekends we had wtog 44 and dr paul bear mm -hmm. here locally and yep. he'd show reruns of like Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and Friday the 13th. And they, and yeah, and they were edited so I could kind of like ease my way into it. And then when I got into middle school, I'm like, because that was in the heyday, late 80s, early 90s of the video store where you could actually go in and pick out the movies. And that's when I really started getting into horror and finding different things. And like the movies I liked, like Reanimator and things like that, um, I've been able to find now through shout factory and i guess scream factory as well so i mean they're they're doing really good stuff and that's kind of where i first came to find you was because they had basically your extras were like the dvd extras were basically you so it was really really cool mm -hmm. well i'm glad you enjoy it <laughs> yeah scream factory is the horror subsidiary of shout i mean it's basically the horror division yeah so anything that's even semi-horror they put out i believe they put out garbage bell kids i think it was scream that put it out yeah but but yeah they they uh sorry no you're know. fine um they have they uh hold on a second so oh, you got it brother let me let them know i'm busy 
But no, how I found all that stuff was basically like I've been going to Shout Factory's website pretty regularly because like I just saw they put out Roadhouse. They put out the new, I think it's like the 30th anniversary of Transformers. They just put out Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. So like I go on their website all the time and what I like is they've got all the DVDs together. So it's just alphabetical. So when I look through, they've got the horror and everything mixed together, which is really, really cool, which actually leads me to my next question. Like, what got you into horror as a kid? Um, you know, I had really young parents. My parents were like 16 and 17 years old. Uh, so they were just, you know, they were into horror. They were into, you know, they were young and they, we were not a wealthy family. Um, I was an only child and, uh, they couldn't afford babysitters and whatnot. So they took me everywhere to all the horror movies they went to and everything. So, um, I just, I was used to watching them from as far back as I can remember. So I just, uh, to me that they were just normal, you know? So, and I just always was obsessed with them. So now there's different categories. Like, you know, you have people like to categorize them differently. Like you have, you know, you have your, um, you know, your slasher films, like your, your Freddy. Well, I guess it really depends on how you want to look at it, but like your Freddy's and your Jason's and all that stuff. Yeah. I'd say there's slasher films. Yeah. And then you have like your psychological thrillers, you know, you have like the Omen and you have, uh, you know, Ringu and all these different ones that are more like that. And then you have films that are kind of like a, I wouldn't say a comedy, but they, they take the horror genre and, and turn it on its head. You know, you have like uh, Slither and you have Feast and you have all these Cabin in the Woods. Maybe. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And so like there's different types of like films and whatnot. So like for yeah. me, it's like, do you have a favorite like series or franchise that obviously you talk about Halloween a lot, but like, is that, is there like a favorite like franchise? You're like, this is like for me personally, I love the Freddy movies. Like they're my they're, they're like my guilty pleasure. I just love them all. I've ha- I, mean, I can quote the whole movie, all of them. I love them. I even have I even have like the 3D glasses, like the original red and blue glasses that you came with the DVD box set, the original box set, and all that. And I, you know, it doesn't really work now, I guess, on uh, on HD t- televisions. But it's you know, I still have all that, and I love those films, and they make me feel good. And there's like nostalgia to it. And obviously, West after West Craven passing and whatnot, like it kind of made me kind of go back and rewatch those and revisit those films uh so i love those films and i love hitchcock films and i didn't like what i don't know what is some of your favorite franchises in the horror genre well i i have to say kind of my go-to answer on that has got to be halloween um just because that's the one that's the franchise that really got me into this business kind of by accident in a way um I'm all, everything that I've become doing what I do, I owe to the Halloween franchise because, I mean, it started with me uh, making masks. I had a, a mask company called Silver Champagne Novelties, and we made uh, replica Michael Myers masks. So we were we were kind of the first guys to to do it. There's that. I mean, it's it's there's people still doing it. It still has a kind of a little cult following, but now since trick or treat has most of the licenses and they're putting out affordable, good replicas, that scene seems to be dying a bit, but I got out of it a while back, but I kind of got my name from that. And then after that, like I said, doing the videos, the, the, the Halloween location videos 
and then putting on the 25th anniversary convention back in 2003 and from that doing 25 years of terror the documentary everything has been a stepping stone that has to do with halloween so i think i would be slapping halloween in the face if i didn't say halloween as the answer um but you know as far as other franchises i love i like the friday 13th franchise i like the nightmare films i'm not a huge fan of them i mean i i enjoy them um uh trying to think um you know i'm i'm a big fan of of 80 slasher films i love stuff like the burning and terror train and fun house and uh you know the prowler and um i i like those kind of films the movies i'm not a huge fan of in the genre i'm not a huge i like some of them but i'm not a huge italian horror fan um they're i'm very kind of picky on my italian horror uh and not a huge went through my phase but not a huge uh asian horror fan i mean I, there's some i really love i there's uh, but I, I think that maybe there's just so much of it that I got exposed to so many bad ones that I kind of gave up on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I understand that because like I, I personally, when it comes to horror for me, like I love, I love like the eighties movies, like the eighties horror movies, slasher movies. And then when I kind of took a break from horror and I apologize if I'm using the wrong term, it kind of got into that torture porn area for a while with yeah. like the saws and the hostels and mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to tell you, for me personally, those are a little bit too much for me to take. Like, if I'm watching them at home, I'm, I can maybe get through it, but in a theater, forget about it. There's no way. Um, just because it's just too intense for me personally. Um, but then it kind of, lately, it seems like it's made a resurgence. Like, I hear there's rumors kicking around if they're going to do another Halloween movie, which I'm super excited about. They're supposed to be rebooting Friday the 13th, which I'm excited about. Um, I, I actually really liked the new Nightmare on Elm Street, which had, uh, oh goodness, Warshak from Watchmen played Freddy, and that was really, I thought that was a great movie. So it was like they were trying to bring those back for a minute, and it looks like they still might try to be, and that was kind of like my bread and butter horror-wise that I personally really, really enjoyed. Uh-huh. Oh, I hated the Elm Street remake, so we disagree there. <laughs> but I love Jackie Earl Haley. Great oh, actor. I do. I love him, and I like he, he's awesome in Preacher. And really, a lot of the horror stuff I've been watching lately has been more like TV, like American Horror Story, the new Channel Zero that started up on Sci-Fi is really good. Um, even, i, I got to throw in, I don't know if it counts, that like True Blood and things like that. I, I definitely would put that in the horror genre, and that was terrific. Well, I think... TV has definitely kind of overtaken film in a way. Um, it, it, I mean, because there's there's really some quality stuff being made out there. I mean, you have Walking Dead, you have yeah. Horror Story, you have The Strain, uh, Scream the series, Scream Queens the series. Um, I, another one. Um, sorry, I just got an email. no. You're fine. But. Uh, um, they Dust Till Dawn the series didn't they do one of those? Dust Till Dawn's yeah. not bad. Uh, the Exorcist is really good. Hannibal was phenomenal. Oh, Hannibal, Hannibal was, was amazing. Great. Hannibal was like a work of art. It was so beautifully yeah. shot. Love no, that series. Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller knows how to make things look good. It was like, so he just nice. Knows how to make something look pretty. And that show, that show was like the little gem that we lost. That like broke my heart. It was a sh- it was the yeah. best show you weren't watching. Like, yeah. it really was. It was awesome. 
So there's so much great horror on TV right now, and even, you know, funny horror like Z Nation, which is, you know, like a, a comedy version of Walking Dead. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I can yeah. barely keep up with it. I mean, yeah. I've got so much DVR right now, and I, I'm trying my best to just keep up with all these shows. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I think I'm more excited about horror on television right now than I am on in film. But there has been some great movies lately too, and so like that Purge series really took me by surprise. Like I had a good friend of mine that said, "Look, I know you're not super into horror, but get the Purge." So I got both the the first two Purge movies uh, from Netflix, and I watched them back to back, and I was like, "This is a really good movie." Because I mean, yes, it's horror, but like they're really trying to do like a social commentary. They're trying to say something. Like they've really got. Uh, like a message and a voice behind what they're doing, which I think with good horror, it kind of has that. Like, good horror kind of has a little bit of a message behind it. It's not just like, oh, somebody's killing people or, you know, there's like a story and a message. And uh, and I, yeah, and I, I thought that was really good. And speaking of what's really good is paying our bills. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back mo- with more of the Happy Hour Johnny Deuce. <laughs> This episode of The Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com Get real retro games for the old school consoles you love delivered to your door every month. They have consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation 1, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, and more. Tell them the type of games you like and what games you already own so you don't get duplicates. You even get a wish list. It's not a rental service. And best yet, you keep the games. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR and save $2 off your first month. Learn more at RetroGameTreasure.com and don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. And we're back with a happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. I'm Johnny. Got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, man? We have the producer, writer, filmmaker, actor. He does it all. The jack of all trades. Uh, Mr. Sean Clark uh, is here with us on the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. And actually, you know, it's funny. We Before the break, we were talking about different franchises. And I also, I, I think it's funny how franchises start off great. And then they get into the whole Harry Potter effect where it's like you have like tons of like movies afterwards and then you get sequels and sequels. I actually think the first Saw film is fantastic because the first Saw film was was not blood and guts. Yeah. It, well, it was hard. Actually, I don't think you saw any blood until the end. And it wasn't even it was all psychological. It was all like well, this is it was very Hitchcockian. It was very like what is going on? Who are these characters? You never really saw any blood or guts or anything like that. Even though the movie was called Saw. Uh, even the uh, quote unquote Saw action was off screen. It wasn't even shown. So it's like it was really more like what is going on? And it had an awesome uh, you know an awesome ending that no one saw coming. Uh, 
Uh, so it was a really great moment in the theaters to see that film. And also, I think Paranormal Activity, that very first one, took people by surprise because uh, it was really low budget. I think it was made for $15,000, like super low budget. And and then they and then these franchises take off, and then obviously the original writers and creators don't aren't staying on the project. They're going and doing other things. Uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts on those two franchises in general because they, they're, they're something that started off great, in my opinion, that kind of just... Went yeah. off the rails. Went off the rails. Right now, I'm just more fascinated by the multitude of cups and drinks that this guy has going on over here. <laughs> oh, oh, me? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, dude. Yeah, I've got, I've got a dip cup going. I've got like my line of beers going. Yeah, like it's this show is a process for me. It's like you know, you got to stay, you got to stay fully lubricated. And you've got to keep the energy level up. So yeah, yeah it. Uh, I keep forgetting when we've got video, everybody can see this. But yeah, it is. It is definitely a process. He's got a process. Yeah. Um, okay, so being an alcoholic's a full time job. What was your question about what I thought I saw? Saw franchise. Yeah, like the Saw franchise and the Paranormal Activity, because they both started out really great, in my opinion. And now it's like sequelitis. Like it just. I, tons yeah. Of- I I I love the first Saw. Um, you know. I felt like the, the few of the sequels afterwards had some great stuff in them, but then they started to get to the point of kind of painting themselves into a corner that they were trying to get out of like, well, how could he possibly be doing all this stuff? And, and it, it did get a little bit ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, I know they're doing another one, so God only knows where that's going to go. Um, but paranormal, you know, the first one was very effective. Um, I enjoyed it, um, but those got pretty diluted too. I thought that the, which one was the one the the kind of Latino one? Is that the yeah? Marvel? And that was that was one that wasn't even really tied to it because it wasn't like tied to the house. Like it was like the paranormal that- activity had gotten into like a video camera. Like it was some way that they had brought like the, whatever it was, the, the ghost or whatever to them. And it made no sense. And it was just like, you were just literally, you're throwing a horror movie. It felt like a spinoff. I really bad spinoff. Not even that. Like somebody had a horror script and they're like, we'll produce this. If you say it's a paranormal activity movie. And so that they had to like write in the, does that make any sense? Yeah. Which I'm sure happens with studios. Like, Hey, we've got, this good script for a movie but we got to have a franchise name attached to it so let's make it paranormal activity whatever right yeah i think that's exactly how saw 2 got made too i think it was a pre-existing script that darren lynn bowsman had written that they said can you alter this to make it a saw film um so i mean that happens all the time i thought the marked ones was actually not bad um but ghost dimension that's a whole nother story (laughs) um but uh you know they they start to get stupid and you know i mean like it's you know going back to like the amityville sequels to where it was like a clock that was in the house or you know a the the doll house all this crap it's like yeah it's like oh we can't afford to actually get the house anymore what can we do to say it's the same entity or possession or demon or whatever Um, so yeah, they get ridiculous. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is the only thing that really will kill a franchise is the box office. That's the only, I mean, they'll keep making them if people keep spending money on them. 
So. Well, I think that's what's uh, love him or hate him. The Conjuring is done really well. Uh, that's a series that took people off guard because it was really good acting. Because a lot of the times, you know, what was so fun to watch of these '80s films, you know, uh, bad acting. The acting was so cheesy, but it was so bad it was good kind of thing. You're like, oh, okay, this is you know, it was entertaining. But like, yeah. you, you get you get like you know, Oscar nominated actors, uh, you know, Vera Farmiga or whatever her name is. Yeah. Like she's on there and she's putting on this stellar performance. You're like, holy crap! And this is I forget I'm watching a horror film sometimes because she's so she's such a great actor and yeah. like so you have like these great performances and I think it's kind of, I think the Conjuring movies have kind of changed like what you think of when you think of uh, horror films because people are going into them actually like paying attention to the script they're paying attention to the acting the editing the pacing of the film they're not just going into it just to have a, a jump scare you know and so it's a little bit different um, I thought both the Conjuring films were solid yeah definitely really enjoyed those I thought they were solid uh I also feel like Hollywood sometimes run out of ideas. Like a lot of stuff's based on books or you're getting remakes. Like we didn't need a total recall remake. We didn't need that. We didn't need the nightmare on Elm Street remake. We don't need a, we don't need a, uh, a, um, uh, snake Plitzkin, um, escape from New York. We don't need that. We don't, it's too soon. Like there's so many like things that like, I don't know. I understand things are obviously influenced by other, other things, but I just feel like sometimes you get like those, those remakes. You're just like the, like the Omen, I hated that one. It was like it was uh, released on six six six. That's their only like claim to fame. Like it was released on that date. I'm just like, it was like yeah. a shot for shot, almost like the uh, the uh, uh, um, Psycho like, remake. You know, where it was like the shot for shot remake, where it's like, well, what's the point? You know, like I get it. You're trying to pay homage and respect to the original film, but like, I'll just go watch the original film. You know. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to remake something, try to do something different with it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween. That was going to be my next question, actually. But, you know, I I respect the fact that he tried to at least do something different, you know. Um, be, you know, because just remaking it, that's kind of boring. You know, why remake it? It's already there. So, um, but I mean, the, the fact, the reason you see so many remakes is because Hollywood is lazy. I mean... They don't want to sit around and read a thousand scripts to find that one good one. Um, they would rather pay a, a low amount of money for a recognizable name and just rewrite it, you know, and, and get reboot it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of those remakes like Prom Night or uh, there, there was a bunch of them that came out, you know, in the, in that one sort of time period that none of them even remotely resembled the original i mean they were just completely using the title only so um yeah it's laziness well i did want to ask you about the fright night remake and what you thought about that i didn't love it i didn't hate it i just thought it was kind of like eh, i didn't think it was as good as the original yeah I mean, well that's a that's a high bar to cross i mean yeah. like the the bar on that first one was so good but like i love david Tennant. uh and goodness gracious uh colin Firth? Colin Farrell. Farrell, Farrell. Yes. Yeah. Like I loved him. Like the the I, I thought the plot was good and the story was good, but you're right. Like that first one, the the bar was set so high that I just didn't know why you needed to try and jump that bar again. Well, I my thing is I don't understand why you remake really good movies. Remake bad ones and make them better, you know? Right. Um, you know, that's uh, you could take a movie like Terror Train and probably make it better. You know, you could take a movie like The Fun House and maybe make it better. 
Um, they're not bad. I mean, I love those movies, but I'm, they're not classics. You know, they're not, they're not Halloween. They're not the exorcist. They're not psycho. They're not nightmare on Elm street, you know, um, or like a film like the burning. I could see a, a root reboot of the burning. Um, that could be fun. Uh, like the house or the town that dreaded sundown that, that remake, they did a little something different. You know, they set it in modern day and tied it to the original. Right. Uh, that was a cool idea for a remake. You know, it wasn't the greatest movie I ever saw, but I give them at least, you know, props for doing something different, you know, with it. So, yeah, I, was, I thought it was interesting, too. Um, the name is escaping me now. The uh, they just had a t- uh, I can't a brain fart now. The guy with uh, Groovy. Um, oh. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Ash vs. Evil Dead is the fact it's that an like amazing show. It, well, That's yeah, like the it, best show. It's cool because like they're taking like elements of of the stuff he did in the other films, and then they're kind of like making it modern and like like what would happen if you know you were in modern times. But it's it's interesting too because the characters that are in the they work off well with each other, and the cast is really well done. Uh, the music's actually really cool too. How they mix in old motifs in there, and it's just fascinating to see something like that show. And you're like, I like, I want to see more of that. Like yeah. that. That's personally my personal opinion. I want to see more of that, like on on film. Like I'd love to see a movie, like have an Evil Dead movie like that. Like, well, you know, we might again. get that because here's a good thing: we're getting a third season of Ash versus Evil Dead, which is great. Which is hard. I can't believe it's already a season two. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's gone by so fast. Well, I'll tell you what, and I've got to throw out the allegedly on this just for our legal department. Allegedly, because the first season they didn't talk about uh, Army of Darkness at all because Sam Raimi didn't have the rights to it. But the first season did so well and made so much money, especially like on DVD sales and things like that, that he was actually able to go back and buy the rights. So now the second season, they've been able to splice in like pieces of Army of Darkness in there so they can actually acknowledge it. Now, they haven't completely said oh he went back to the past but they've shown scenes from it so i think at some point they're going to mention that yeah at one point he time traveled which i think it'll make it great have you actually seen the show at all sean ash versus evil dead i don't have it's on stars right and i don't have stars so yeah i I just bought the the blu-ray set for season one and i think i'm about five or six episodes in so i'm still watching season one right now oh okay that show is my jam just because i like it because it's that fun mix of like horror and comedy like it mixes everything together so then i don't know for me like horror is a lot easier to take if there's comedy with it did you see the remake of evil dead like the like the one that came out like a year ago or two years ago yeah, I actually really, really liked it. I think it was awesome because it the special effects, like the way they, they went back to like a lot of the practical effects with prosthetics and like it, it had that sense of like you're a fly on the wall. Like especially there's a scene where they were in the bathroom and it, it, the thing was coming for the chick and, and you were just like, you felt like, oh my God, I can't, I can't get away. I can't get out of this room. You're like stuck in that yeah. room with them. And there was this feeling of dread throughout the whole film and I – even the very beginning when they have like they're in the basement and everything, they're all talking about stuff. And then when the kids come back to it and then you see like the pig's legs and all, I just like really, really, I thought it was really well done. The special effects. It was, it was actually creepy. Like it wasn't, you know, this is kind of like what the first evil dad, the first evil dad was more creepy. And then evil yeah. Dead two kind of got the comedy, in got there. the, got the, you know, over, over reacting and stuff and made, you know, made him a star or whatever. But yeah. like, I actually, re- I own the evil dead on Blu-ray and my wife won't watch it. She's like, I heard it's too scary. It is. It's 
It is. You know, it's, I'm a seasoned horror fan like you guys yeah. are, and it and it was it, it was creepy. It had its moments, like and it just the, whenever you try to do stuff with prosthetics and real like limbs and it's you, you, and it's not CG, it just has an element of like there's a texture to it that you can't replicate, you know, with a green screen. Yeah, I I was a big fan of the remake. Yeah, I hope they make another one. They they kind of they kind of made it sort of like in the very end, like, all right, this might've been in the same universe, but it, maybe it wasn't. It was almost to your own, you know, your, your own mind if it was or not. Um, yeah. But we talked earlier about cabin in the woods and how I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a special film. I, I think it's taking that whole genre and just kind of making its own. Joss Whedon's all about the characters and all about, you know, his, his per- portrayal on it. And I, I enjoyed cabin in the woods. I thought it was a, you know, a different take on things. Um, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, what do you think, Sean? Yeah, I dug it. I really liked it. It's funny. It's uh, it was yeah, it was really well done. Yeah, I love how they had the play on all the tropes and everything, and like just I don't know. It, it was it was an entertaining ride from the beginning to end because I feel like with and I feel like it was accessible too for people that aren't aren't into you know scary films. I feel like there's enough in it to keep people going that would you know aren't really like and it turned the whole thing on its head. Like, it did, yeah. You think okay, these are kids going to a cabin in the woods. You know, you've seen this movie a hundred times, but then they add that extra layer, yeah. and I want to ruin it if anybody out there hasn't seen it. But like, it's worth a watch. Yeah, for like, sure. I definitely it, it, people that aren't even horror fans, I'm like. You need to watch this movie. Like this, is there's enough great, to great keep movie. seasoned horror fans entertained. But there's also people that are not like big into scary films can also find something to enjoy out of it. And and the acting's fun and solid, and the shot selection's great. I mean, whenever whenever Drew Goddard, he's he's a god in my opinion. He's amazing. He puts the word god in there for a reason. The dude's just a mastermind when it comes to Cloverfield and all that stuff. The guy knows how to write films. Uh, and I was happy to see how well Cloverfield Lane did, um, 10 Cloverfield Lane did, uh, which is a, just an awesome film in its own right. Uh, I don't. Did you, did you get to see 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah, I thought it was way better than the first one. So did I. I loved it because it was very intimate. You were in that room, mo- mainly just one or two shots, mainly in the whole film, other than when she breaks outside. But I loved the acting. I loved how... Uh, claustrophobic you felt as an audience you were stuck in there with them and uh, it was hard to breathe almost at times and just solid acting fantastic throughout uh, and John Goodman just owned that movie oh he was so awesome and that was, that was a movie I went, went out in the theaters to see and it, and it it just it felt amazing to like to sit in the audience and feel other people's reactions because people give off I believe people give off an energy you know in a room and like I felt like oh man everyone was there with me and they yeah. were we were all like trying to get out of that bunker or whatever it was you know there so out of all these crazy bad remakes and all you know all these horrible just B movie ripoffs there's still lights there there's still some amazing examples of great you know horror films you know and and I think you know with you know the original Paranormal Activity, and and uh, you know even Slither is really good. I love Slither. That was like a, you know, the guy who directed James Gunn, the guy who directed uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. I mean that that film was fantastic. It was hilarious. It was funny, jokes, but also the special effects. I I, I feel like there's like a common theme with these movies. A lot of them go back to the original, uh, you know, special effects, the practical effects, yeah, the prosthetics and the makeup and. And we have a really good friend of ours. Uh, we're going to give a shout-out. Uh, Scott name? Finster. Scott Finster. He just got his first, um, uh, I guess, his first actual uh, live feature film. 
Uh, he does a lot of the zombie effect stuff, makeup. And he was he, on Face Off. He was on Face Off, Sci-Fi's Face Off. He's really, really good dude. Uh, but he actually he got to do uh, zombies for the the new uh, Tyler Perry film, the Medea Halloween. Yeah, it was funny because you juxtapose that. That's a film. It's like a comedy film, but he got to put all of his like skills and efforts into like making really good looking zombies. So when people go see that, they're gonna be like. Dang, that I mean, that looks like that looks really good. So it's just funny. I mean, I mean, we could talk about this all the time, but there's that you mentioned earlier about Walking Dead and like how that kind of fran that franchise really blew up, you know, and and like how that's kind of spawned all kinds of movies and shows and I Zombie and you know uh, Zombie Land and like all all these different things have come from that and how popular. Obviously, you know, obviously it was a you know graphic novel before, but like it you know really spawned into something great and its own franchise, if you will. Well, actually, let me ask you before I get to the big question I really want to ask you is, how how do you feel about Walking Dead? Because Walking Dead has blown up, and I really, in my opinion, because you got to remember, I think we're on, what, season six or seven now? Like, we, we're, it's getting a little long in the tooth, but it's still great television. Like, it's, it's so exciting, and it's funny because... I actually got a couple – I work in an office, and I've got a couple of ladies in the office that are actually, I, I would say, older, probably 40-plus, maybe even 50s. And I got them to start watching, and they love it. And they would never normally watch a horror show, but they really like Sons of Anarchy. And I was like, look, check out the show. It's a drama. I think you really dig it. Um, and they got into it, and they really enjoyed it. Now, they're not so much into the horror aspect, but the – the drama that's involved in that show, I tell everybody, it's a drama. I mean, yes, there are zombies in it, but it's really a drama, and I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about it. Um, I'm a fan of the show. I mean, I've 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 always liked it. Uh, you know, uh, it's the zombie part. You know, has uh, I think it's just an element, like you said. It's I don't look at it like dawn of the dead or you know day of the dead i think of it it's not a zombie show to me it is more of a it's a drama it's 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 character driven um why people keep tuning in is because they care about these characters you get to know them and you follow their journey that it just happens to be that it's in a zombie apocalypse you know same thing could be said for when battlestar galactica came back out people yeah people loved that show because it wasn't it wasn't the 70s version trying to be star wars it was a really good drama set in space um and you know uh, that's why i think walking dead does so well because it's just a really well acted well written drama with a horror element and it, it's kept my interest the whole time i know people a lot of people like to kind of shit on it because it's popular, you know, it's trendy, yeah. whatever. It's not cool to like that, you know, thing that like everybody you said, else likes. Fifty-year-old women at an office building are watching, but you know what? I don't give a shit. I like what I like. I enjoy it, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Sunday's premiere. Well, it also doesn't hurt that a couple of your really good friends work on the show as well, so that's probably not you know hurting you at all on that one. I've met a couple people on that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of met a couple people, there was one thing, and this was my big question for the night that I really wanted to ask you, because I, I'm really, really looking forward to this documentary coming out, and it's called Cell Celluloid Wizards in the Video Wasteland, the Saga Empire Pictures. Empire Pictures, for me, in the 80s, is where I cut my teeth on horror between trancers, 
Reanimator, uh, the Robo Jocks movies that weren't even really horror, um, and the Ghoulies, and all the other great movies they made. And, and you were a part of this documentary, which thank you for that, because, I mean, that's like the little studio that could that I feel like now that we've gotten in this digital era of Netflix and things that kind of fallen through the cracks. And I just wanted to hear your take on it and everything. Cause I mean, I love that studio. Well, you know, um, I'm a fan like you, uh, of, of their films and, uh, you know, it, I'm not as connected to that as I am to say like the Halloween franchise or something. so I was yeah. actually pretty surprised when I was contacted to be interviewed for it. Um, but I was flattered and honored and uh, absolutely was up to it. Um, when it came down to doing the interview, I, I had to sit back and like, wow, which what of their movies am I really a fan of? And have to really kind of go down the list. And um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an honor to be a part of it. Uh, I think maybe one of the selling points to the, the guy who was making it was... Uh, that I own the resonator from the film from beyond. So he came oh, nice. and interviewed me in front of it. Um, so I, that was a nice little set dressing, I guess for, uh, the interview. So, well, let me ask you this out of all their movies, what was probably your favorite from beyond? From definitely. Beyond. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's always been my, probably my favorite one of that. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, one of the cool things about our podcast is like the fact that I think people like to, they learn new things every time they listen to our show. And Deuce and I love li- sitting under the learning tree and everything, and we love to learn as well. And it's awesome to be able to like every week like give recommendations to people. Yeah. Like, like people are like, "Oh my gosh, from Beyond! I I've never seen it. No, I've I, not seen it. So either. I, now I've I want to go check it out. Yeah. Movies so cause... like I, I you get these awesome recommendations when you talk to people because everyone has their own tastes and choices. And I'm glad you mentioned Session Nine earlier because I think that's a very underrated film, uh, oh, yeah. and that a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, and it and it's a, and it's a movie that I, I every day every time I watch it I get goosebumps. Uh, even I mean I've watched it probably ten different times and it's the one I always recommend to people and it's cool that you 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 get these awesome recommendations for people and things. Deuce and I used to work for a video uh, store that's out of business now, Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we we got to see our fair share of uh, you know B movies and you know horror films and whatnot and stuff like that. So we always had stuff to recommend to people. And also got to be kind of Quentin Tarantino esque for us because that was where at least me I mean I'm not a filmmaker at all but where I got a lot of my film knowledge was being able to take movies home at night so i'd grab a couple things i hadn't seen watch it you know when i got home and then have an appreciation for these movies Mm -hmm. so i mean i think it was a great learning experience for me but also we want to thank you for giving us such a learning experience because we love sitting underneath the learning tree and we just really really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us tonight yeah no problem uh yeah i highly recommend from beyond uh Scream Factory put out a special edition a couple of years ago. Nice. So, uh, I conducted one of the interviews on there, the one with Jeffrey Combs. If you guys are at all Reanimator fans, you'll probably like From Beyond. It was directed by Stuart Gordon, who directed Reanimator. Nice. It stars Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Cramden from Reanimator and uh, Stuart's wife, uh, Carolyn. Uh, she she was in Reanimator as well as From Beyond, so it's kind of the same cast uh, with Ken Foray thrown in there from Dawn of the Dead and Rob Zombie's Halloween, amongst other things. Uh, it's a cool film, and it's got 
it's got like it's not as comedic as reanimator but it has its as its dark comedy moments but it's it's and talk about practical effects you got to check this one out it's got some pretty over the top crazy special effects well, that's awesome sean before we let you go what would you say is your top three movies any horror fan should see like your top like if you're a new horror fan or maybe even if you're an old horror fan like what are the ones that you say should be on your like you know 10 movies before you die list or your must see list what would you say those were wow they're really putting me on the spot um well i mean you know i gotta go with a lot of the obvious like jaws and the shining and halloween and you know, I mean, there's there's the obvious ones, but like if you wanted me to give you like a list of, say, horror movies that you probably haven't seen. Like the deep cuts. Yeah. If I was going to say deep cuts, like Session 9 would be one. Um, uh, the Burning, Terror Train, um, Fun House is one of my favorites. Uh, uh, the Changeling. Oh, uh, I've heard of The Changeling. I've never seen it, though. Amazing film. I mean, one of the scariest, like, haunted house films you'll ever see. Uh, let me see. I'm, like, looking at my collection. Um, obviously, I'm a big Phantasm fan, too. Um, have not seen the new movie yet. That's so. what I was going to ask you about. What are your feelings on the new movie? I have not seen it, so I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> I want to see it. Um, I, I want to see it, too, just because they're saying they're wrapping everything up. But, like, the way the last one ended, I was okay. Like, if that was into the franchise, I would have been okay with it just because I, I, I too, love the Phantasm movies. And I, I understand why they kind of wanted to wrap it up. And there's definitely some nostalgia factor there. But there's also a part of me that was like, well, if we didn't have another one, it would be okay, too. So, Looking at my collection, that's why I'm like, veering off to the side here uh you have a very yeah. large collection our fans at home can't see but you've got literally bookshelves full of movies over there uh, you you should see over, like <laughs> holy wow. shit balls holy yeah that that <laughs> yeah and then like over here is records and that's, that's oh wow all kinds of crap. that's awesome. anyway um let's see uh yeah other deep cuts deep cuts um uh, well, uh, back to well, back to Phantasm. Yeah, I mean, the trailer it looks pretty low budget. Yeah, uh, that was what scared me too. And I and I've read the reviews, and everybody says that yeah, it looks some of the effects look pretty bad, but they all said it's very respectful to the series, a great swan song, if you will, to the franchise and to Angus Scrim, who passed away recently. And I, I've heard, I really, other than the the knocks on the effects i've heard nothing but positive things so i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing it um in fact i the only reason i haven't seen it is because i i wanted to show my girlfriend the franchise because she's never seen any of them so it's it's a matter of sitting her down and you know watching if, them all yeah if she's willing to if, if she watches one and just can't get into it then i i might as well just move on but but uh so let me see. Um, other, let's see. Other horror. Other horror. Uh, uh, I like a lot of cheesy horror too. You know, like some. You know, I guess you can call it bad horror. I don't know, but but I, but I, I probably like them just for more nostalgic purposes than anything else. Uh, oh, Tourist Trap is one is is the one I really love. Um, if you've ever seen Tourist Trap, I highly recommend that one. Um, uh, Did you ever see It Follows? Yes. 
I felt like, like that. I felt like it paid homage to like the old classic '80s films, uh, especially how how big of a, a proponent the music was, like, and how the music was almost a character in that film. Um, and I just, I it kind of just took me by surprise. I was like, oh, this is yeah. interesting. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it I it didn't blow me away like a right. lot of people kind of like you know sort of like Stranger Things. Everybody's going ape shit over Stranger Things, which I I liked. I thought it was well done. Um, I found it entertaining, but did I think it was like the be all end all? I didn't. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I like it. I'm a fan of it, mm-hmm. but the way people are going absolutely berserk over it, I, I'm like, okay, it's, it was cool. You know, I don't, I watched it once. I don't feel the need to revisit it, mm-hmm. but I mean, I enjoyed all the nostalgic nods and, you know, but I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, I, it was, it was basically, you know, uh, trying to be Spielberg, you know, it, it, it had, it had that sort of Amblin vibe to it, but you know, it was cool. I liked it. Is it the second coming? I, I no, I, I, I think the, I kind of have, my gut feeling is season two's not, it can't, no matter how good it is, it's not going to live up to this hype. Right. No, so. it's not. It, which and that was going to be my last question for you for the night, Sean. Was if there's any movie franchise or series horror wise that could get another movie, or could get a remake, or it maybe could have one last swan song, what would it be for you? Well, my choice would be would be uh, Halloween, but that that's it's that's already that's happening. I mean, yeah. Blumhouse is doing it, um, but. Um, if I had to, you know, if somebody came to me and said, you can remake anything you want, um, you know, I've always, I've thought about this and I, I had an interesting take at one point on children of the corn, but it's been remade so many times and so many different versions. Um, but tourist trap is another one. Uh, I would, I think could be a, a good remake. It, although, it kind of was in a way it was at least ripped off uh in the house of wax remake yeah they they stole a lot of elements from tourist trap um which the house of wax remake is actually i think an underrated gem i don't know if you like that film yeah it was uh, great paris hill yeah was paris it, right? hill yeah. was in it and there was a couple other people in it that were pretty uh, famous at the time like they had one of the actors from one tree chad hill michael. was on there yeah, yeah chad michael murray was in it like they they kind of got the best people they could at the time to do it and and you're right like it was a really good movie that movie actually made me watch the first one because i'd never seen the first one and that to me the first one was an amazing film and it, yeah. it kind of brought me back to that which is the only good thing about these remakes i guess is people that are fans will go well let me see the original and right then you go it, back and you watch it yeah it introduces you to uh, a generation that may have not seen them before, and that's that's always a good thing, especially with the classics. So, yeah, definitely. Um, that I guess that's the one advantage. <laughs> but then again, you know, and that, then it just drives you completely nuts when the new school people say, "Oh, yeah, this is way better than the original." And oh, want to rip oh. your hair? Just trying to it up, but because uh, let's face it, there's only a couple of occasions where the remakes have been better. I mean, you know, John Carpenter's the thing Cronenberg's the fly. I mean, those are the ones that immediately jump out at you. Like, okay, you know, maybe the invade the 78 invasion of the body snatchers, you know, but very rarely are they better, you know? Well, speaking of better, 
thank you so much for the interview tonight. This has been an amazing time, and we thank you so much for just taking time out of your busy schedule because you're a busy man. You do a lot of stuff, and we want to say thank you again for coming on the show. And, Sean, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. No problem. Awesome. Well, you have a great night, and hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Yeah, let us know if you do anything with Bloomhouse with the remake of Halloween because we'd definitely like to have you back on for that, or if there's anything else you want to promote. Just you, you've got my Facebook. Hell, you've got my cell phone number now. So you just call me and let me know. You can come on anytime you want, brother. But thank you so, so much for coming on this evening. Yeah, no problem. If anybody wants to follow my nonsense, uh, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Malfunction, M A L F U N C S E A N. Um, and then the Facebook is uh, the Horace Hollergrounds Facebook. And then there's uh, the. My personal account is full, so I have the Facebook.com backslash Sean Clark official. You can follow me on there as well. So that's all my stupid internets. <laughs> well, no, we appreciate it. Our fans definitely want to see it. I'm actually glad I made a cut to his real page. I don't know how I made that. So thank you again, sir, and thank you so much for coming on with us this evening. No problem, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one, thank Sean. Thank you, brother. Have a good evening. All right. See you. See you. And, of course, speaking of ways to follow, you can follow us on the Internet at HH Podcast Show on the Twitter machine. Also, you can follow us at HHPodcastShow at gmail.com. Don't forget to send your emails to Buck, the Mega Buck, from Retro Game Treasure. He's going to be coming on soon, so you can send us those to HH Yeah, we already started getting some emails, so definitely keep keep sending them. Keep sending them. So send them to HHPodcastShow at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put Ask the Buck. Also, you can find us at Facebook.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast Show. SoundCloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast. And of course, on the Twitter machine, there's hashtag happy hour podcast, hashtag HH podcast show, and hashtag deuces, deuces on, on the loose. loose. Later. See ya.